God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this third Sunday after the Epiphany, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This is going to be a get-to-know-Jesus-more sermon. In fact, you've already heard more from Jesus than you may have before in the very short gospel reading that was read to you a moment ago, because it's never been read up here on Sunday before. Well, I know I've never read it before. I don't know about previous pastors here, but we've been using the three-year lectionary here since the 1960s, probably. And remember the Sunday before uh, Jill and I left for Israel, I preached on another text from Matthew uh, that's not in the uh, regular Christian lectionary book there on the altar. And I won't go over all that again, but While I was away, I was still thinking about, while I was enjoying the sights and sounds of the Holy Land, I I still was thinking about that text from Matthew, where Peter's talking with the tax collectors. Do you remember that a couple of weeks ago? And then uh, Jesus tells Peter to go cast his line into the Sea of Galilee, and the first fish that he catches, well, there'll be a coin in its mouth to pay the tax. Oh, and by the way, I was there, standing on the shore there where Perhaps that took place. That was kind of neat to have been there. Again, thank you for that opportunity. But I couldn't help thinking, what other texts are there that we haven't heard here on Sunday? Well, I looked it up. Today we have another unheard, unpreached text from Matthew. And if you don't mind, I think I'm going to do this for a while. I mean, after 10 years of standing up here and preaching the same texts, over and over again. I've got some fresh material here, right? And that's exciting to me. I hope it is to you. Uh, We might learn some new things together or gain some fresh insight into some things that we already know. So let's get to it. I want you to get those few Bibles out in front of you and open up to page 838, 838. And I want you to see where our reading today is sandwiched. The lamp of the body is the subheading. See it? Okay. Now, notice what comes after it. You cannot serve God and riches. Do not worry, right? And then flip a page back and look what comes before it. Lay up your treasures in heaven. Love your enemies. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And nestled deep within the sermon is this part, the lamp of the body. Now, I'm going to read it to you. You can follow along in this New King James Version, but I'm going to read it to you from my translation from the Greek. It goes like this. Uh, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye being clear, all of your body will be shining. But if the eye of you be evil, all the body of you will be dark. If therefore the light in you is darkness, how great the darkness. I have a theory why this this little reading here is left out of the lectionary. It could be because it's kind of puzzling. And it seems oddly wedged in between... uh, this larger teaching about loving and serving material things over spiritual things. 
seems kind of like oddly placed, but we already know Jesus to be puzzling and odd at times, don't we? And what the things that he says and does. So this shouldn't be a surprise to us. So what about the eye being the lamp of the body then? Well, when I was a kid, I watched a lot of TV. And my mom used to say, Donald, don't sit so close to the TV. It's bad for your eyes. Now, how many of you were told that? Yeah, I was told the electromagnetic emissions from the tube were somehow harmful. Uh, but I never got an explanation as to how. That's because they really weren't. The old TV tubes emitted some static electricity, but it wasn't harmful. People assumed it was early on in the early days of TV, and the legend stuck. I verified this with Lowell Hallauer. He used to work on the very earliest TV sets. But people assumed it was, it was harmful. And that kind of wives' tale science, though, makes the generation before us seem somehow less smart than us. But every generation, even the current one, has its assumptions, and not all of them are correct. You know, you find out over time which ones are right and wrong. And I say this because we have a tendency to view people of the past, especially in the ancient world, as dumber than us. But I can tell you, after seeing some of the things I saw in Judea, the people of the ancient world were anything but dumb. It's just that every generation since the beginning of time has assumptions and understandings, understandings about things until those assumptions and understandings are adjusted and corrected. This is the case with the people Jesus is speaking to in this reading on the slopes of the hills of Galilee. People back then believed that light came out of the body and even inside the eyeball. Inside the eyeball was a source of light. <laughs> and okay, that might seem dumb to us today because nowadays we know how the body works, right? And how light works and all that. But people's assumption back then was, well, you get old, your sight dims, even though the sun's out during the day, must mean there's a light inside that's dimming. And we can see this in Job. Turn to page 449 in your pew Bible. Job chapter 17, verse 7. My eye has also grown dim because of sorrow, and all my members are like shadows. Just a, a, a hint there of the understanding the ancient people had about light and the eye. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't take the opportunity during the Sermon on the Mount to teach people the proper scientific workings of the eyeball and the sun and all that. Right? He speaks to the people in ways they understand. He's God in the flesh. The creator of the universe. He made the first human being. Of course Jesus knows that there's no light inside the eyeball. Nevertheless, what he has to say, or what he's saying, is more important than correcting the human race's assumption about how the body works. What he's saying is good news and bad news. 
gospel with a warning attached, if you will. It's good news for you if your eye is clear, then the light from your whole body will shine brightly. And when Jesus says clear, he doesn't mean that your eyeball doesn't have glaucoma or cataracts in it. He means, and I had to look this word up in the, in the Greek, it's a little tricky to translate, but he means if your eye is single, focused, that kind of clear. He's not just talking about the physical eyeball, but what's your response to faith? What's your response to him? What's your attitude, your approach? Do you care? Is your heart and are your thoughts fixed on riches and jewels and, and wine and lavish living, fame, importance, things that don't last? Or is it fixed on the things of God? Repentance, forgiveness, forgiving others, giving to others, loving God and one another, treasures of heaven. If it's on those things, your whole body will shine brightly. Faith will, I I hate to use the word ooze out of your body, but faith will emanate from your whole body. On the other hand, if your eye is bad, in the Greek it's evil. If your eye is evil, bad is too weak a translation in my view, Jesus is talking about sin. If your eye is evil, well then it logically follows that your whole body is full of darkness. Well, that doesn't sound good, does it? And yet a great many people are evil in this world and have been throughout all generations. But here's the warning. If then the light in you is darkness, how great it is doesn't make sense on the surface you know how can how can light be dark they're opposite things but see again jesus isn't talking physiology here he's talking spirituality don't be evil (laughs) it's too dark it's too great you don't want to be that and it fits perfectly with the rest of the sermon especially as it ties in with laying up treasures in heaven Don't be stingy, but be generous to people. Don't try and serve two masters, money and God. It won't work. The love of both are opposed to one another. I'll say it again, just like I did a couple of weeks ago. I believe whoever decided to leave these verses out of the Christian lectionary were mistaken to do so. You and I need to hear repeatedly and frequently that, well, one... Our God speaks to us in ways we can understand. You know, even if we need a little contextual help 2,000 years later. And two, goodness and righteousness are better than darkness and evil. Go figure, huh? That's the way to go. Look, I know all of us, people everywhere, rich, poor, are prone to gathering up stuff, gathering up earthly possessions and treasures. You know, very few of us live like monks with no possessions. Actually, even modern-day monks have earthly things. I saw it in Israel. They're all on their cell phones. And they wear Nikes. Yet we know those things won't last. 
Only heavenly treasures are eternal. And what are those treasures? Everlasting blessedness and righteousness. That's from your catechism, right? Peace, health, a perfect body, a heart that knows no sin anymore and is right with God and all, all the saints, all believers, a crown, a white robe, many more things I'll bet the Bible doesn't mention. God calls each and every one of us as children of light to follow and serve Him rather than live as slaves to our things, possessions. For His sake and ours, Christ became the servant of all to save all by taking your sin away, my sin away, and giving us life that lasts forever. That's good news from a couple of verses that don't get heard much on Sundays in many churches. And there's more to come next Sunday. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. In those verses, you got judging others. That's a relevant topic today, isn't it? Ask and it will be given. And the golden rule. Wow, why have we never heard that before? I've never preached on those until next Sunday, so you definitely don't want to miss it. Amen.